The StreamSets DataOps platform is the world's first single platform for building smart data pipelines across hybrid and multi-cloud architectures. You can build, run, monitor, and manage data pipelines confidently with an end-to-end -end data integration platform that's built for constant change. Amp up your productivity with easy-to-navigate interface with hundreds of pre-built sources and destinations. Once you're up and running, your smart data pipelines are resilient to data drift, those ongoing and unexpected changes in your data infrastructure and pipelines. Finally, you have one single pane of glass for operating and monitoring all of your data pipelines. Get started today building data pipelines in minutes for free at streamsets.com slash tag data. The first 10 listeners of this podcast that subscribe to StreamSets Professional Tier will receive two months free after their first month. Hello, I'm Dr. Beverly Wright, and welcome to Tag Data Talk. With us today, we have Anchi Zoe, and we're talking about connecting and leveraging academic partnerships within data science. So good to have you on the show, Anchi. I'm very, very excited. It's definitely a topic that's very near and dear to my heart and my work. Yeah, excited to have this platform to share my thoughts. Absolutely. Yes, I've always admired uh, what you do with uh, academic and corporate relationships. So I'm really glad to have you. Let's start off with an easy question. Tell us, why are you so cool? Uh, I, I don't know if I'm cool, but I would say I'm just a curious soul that's still trying to figure out what I want to do when I grow up. Uh, you know, I, I actually started college as a accounting major, very soon realized that accounting is not just not something I'm interested in. Ended up doing a uh, computer science and mathematics double major. And later on, you know, um, got my master's degree in computer science and never thought I was going to work for a bank. But looking back, this is actually the fourth banking entity I've been with and with Truist Bank today. Uh, you know, just uh, about eight months ago, I joined our very uh, new, newly established artificial intelligence team. Oh. But prior to that, I ran our university partnership, including uh, establishing our very first data science rotational program, as well as running our, um, you know, summer internship for the for the last three years. So, yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Tell me about this AI team. Yeah. Is this because I know Sun SunTrust was my bank for a while, and I was there for a minute. And then there's uh, there was BB&T, and this merged and became Truist, and now there's an AI team. That's so cool. Yeah, so we're a small and mighty uh, AI acceleration team. Oh. And we were, uh, you know, my manager, uh, Bjorn Ostral, officially joined the bank in March of last year. And there are three of us with the title uh, Artificial Intelligence Innovation Leaders on his team. Initial, uh, essentially, we serve as the internal strategists and consultants really to work with all of the lines of business at the bank to identify, prioritize, and execute some of the AI capabilities. Uh, as part of that, we also look at some of the foundational work, you know, for any of us who's been banking in the past, you know, on the risk side, really make sure we have a good um, governance and, you know, uh, policy in place. Actually, just uh, two or three weeks ago, uh, a number of the regulators, uh, such as the Fed and then um, FDIC also signaled that there's going to be uh, more prescribed guidance around AI uh, or machine learning model governance uh, for, for the financial services industry. So a lot of work there. And, and uh, you know, uh, we've, we're on the back end of a, of a three-year merger, as you, you alluded to, you know, between uh, SunTrust and BB&T, which uh, is the largest uh, um, financial services uh, industry merger in the last 15 years. Wow. So the last 
last three years, there's definitely been a lot of uh, focus on integration. But at the same time, we have so many so many pockets of uh, innovation around, you know, applying AI and machine learning automation to different, you know, um, different use cases across the bank. So this team really provides some of the synergy around that and be able to provide some, you know, um, a really bring people together as the company grow in size and make a bigger impact. And academic partnership has been a, a key part of our strategy from day one, right? So uh, excited to share share with, with you about that today. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you have the best job in America. Like you're <laughs> AI strategist leader um, at a financial major financial institution uh, that apparently really embraces innovation. That's just amazing. Congratulations. So yeah, we're talking today about um, connecting and leveraging academic partnerships within data science. So what do we even mean? What does that mean to have an academic partnerships with a company? Right. So, you know, many of you are probably aware of, uh, you know, universities playing on football field, right, or baseball park that are sponsored by um, by company or you'll see buildings on campus, right, that are sponsored by, by you know, big name corporations. Um, in particular, I, I true is in the data analytics field, we really look at our university, uh, our academic, let's say academic, not just limit to universities and colleges, right? Um, as a kind of give and take, right? Mutually beneficial investment relationship. And uh, we follow this framework we call the TLC of data analytics, talent, learning, and community, mm. right? So what does that really mean? In terms of talent, that's the obvious one, right? You want to have access to, you know, the brightest students who are, you know, are learning about the newest in the industry or the academia uh, field, right? And then a lot of the universities, because of their research focus, they actually have some of the infrastructure, right? Because the, again, partnership with software company, platform company that um, might not be established at your, your corporation. So this is a great way of tapping into that talent, right? Um, and leveraging the infrastructure, you know, almost test it out, you know, what are some of the capability we should be investing later on at the corporation. So that's on the talent side. And then on the learning side is, um, again, a lot of people, when we think about university partnership, they think about hiring for interns, hiring Mm -hmm. for these early career program, you know, students fresh out of college or grad school. But at the same time, we want to take care of our existing teammates who have been with the company for 10, 20 years. So the learning, upskilling and reskilling, you know, topics become very, very important as well. As Mm. we all know, you know, being in the in the industry, anyone of us even for like you know a couple years or or over ten years and twenty twenty years, you really start seeing you know there's always new tools and new technology and depends on the industry or the vertical you are in, right? There is a ecosystem that aligns with that. So I I would say you know we embrace this um, almost like a pyramid, right? You have a mindset mindset, skill set, um, and tool set, right? Mm-hmm. So you have the growth mindset that your employees can learn about anything. You know, you you, you support their learning and their growth. And the middle, this is the tools, uh, sorry, the, the skill set you're looking for, right? Either to develop or to hire. Now, you know, in the, in the field of data science, that could be, um, you know, how do you develop a problem statement? That's the very, very first one. How do you translate a data problem, uh, sorry, a business problem into a data problem? Mm -hmm. How do you 
perform data engineering, collect the data? How do you run the analytics? How do you develop model, validate the model, you know, implementation? These are different, you know, skill set we're looking to hire or to develop. And lastly, it depends on the company. We, you know, look at different ecosystem tool sets, Mm -hmm. right? That's where you specifically work work with some of the universities. Sometimes they have, you know, boot camps and training curriculum that can easily be borrowed or, you know, just... uh, um, shared with your employees. So may, really make sure that upskilling, reskilling is a big part of our portfolio as well. Last but certainly not the least, uh, you know, I, I kind of uh, call myself a data science community builder yes. is that you hire a data scientist, what what do you do with them now, right? You want to create a sense of a belonging, right? A community of data professionals, almost like a business resource group or, you know, employee resource group, but these affinity groups that companies have. You want to make sure you have a community for these data scientists. And the academic partnership is a great way for them to feel they are part of a, you know, they're de- something bigger of a bigger community they're developing the next generation of uh, you know data science professional they are kind of providing that mentorship and sometimes receiving that reverse mentorship with the students who are in the program and connecting with the professor in crafting the best curriculum right that so at the end of the day we'll be able to hire the students with the right skill set and the mindset that we're embracing uh, as a a corporate uh, you know partner Okay. Okay. Very nice. So um, you mentioned a couple of paradigms. I want to make sure I got down, or, or I guess they're frameworks. One was the TLC, and you said that stands for what was talent, it? learning, and community. Community. Okay. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. That's nice. And then the other one you mentioned was this mindset. It's kind of like a I picture like a lasagna layers <laughs> of mindset, skill set, and tool set, mm-hmm. um, and how those integrate together. So the um, importance of working with a school. Is and you you mentioned a few things um, you kind of hinted on, but I wanted to unpack it a little bit more. You talked about advising each other uh, on both sides of the equation, so corporate advising academia on things related to program and curriculum, and then how does the academic community help advise corporations, for example? What are some of the ways that they can help? Absolutely, you know, you kind of you start with uh, you know a lot of these uh, uh, either graduate or undergraduate program. They have an advisory board. You know, it's a great way to get company executives or managers to get involved, so they can provide that insight with the curriculum design, right? And then you look at you know, for example, if we were to work with university on a class project, a true is I think we've run at least. 10, 15, probably close to 20 different uh, projects in the last, uh, you know, five to seven years. Mm -hmm. And you get to see such different and fresh perspective from the students, right? Because we have a you know, if you work in credit decisioning, right, you automatically think about logistic regression is the only way to go to start with, right? And and you can, you know, look at the students, really ask them, you know, if you were to approach these things with a fresh pair of eyes, you know, obviously do your own research, what would that look like, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes they're able to come up with the different things that, you know, maybe maybe it's a small, maybe it's not their entire methodology, but something in, in there that sparked the interest that the company would like to further um, um, you know, explore. So that's where we see a lot of, uh, uh, you know, uh, kind of a lot of the, the, the value being generated, right? And then another thing I'll touch upon a little bit later is that getting that leadership buy-in mm-hmm. from very, 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 very 
you know, beginning, and also make sure there is a good, almost like a communication and socialization strategy to bring awareness to these type of uh, projects. So there is a good sustainability, right, with with the university and with the, these cohort of students. Sometimes you might have students that started as a actually I've hired a um, past interns and past full time data scientists who started from working on a project with us, you know, for a semester, and the team really enjoyed, and then hired them for the summer to continue to work on a particular project and later on they come in as full-time you know data scientists they rotating they're rotating through different teams nevertheless that they've already essentially been with the company for six months or up to a year at that point right, right. that's gr- very deep knowledge that they have and at the same time you know they are also kind of you know giving back to to the school in a way that they um you know they are sharing their story, their job search story, a lot of time on traditional, right? It's not just about how many jobs you apply. It is about the relationship you build through these uh, networking or mentoring sessions. And that's a great way to also build, you know, goodwill and reputation around the company's investment into both, you know, the early career talent, as well as uh, making sure there is a good learning environment within the company once they join the organization as well. So these are just, uh, um, you know, some of the importance of the of this partnership. Oh, I love it. Um, this is great. This is really good nuggets here. So first of all, I want to tell you, you are definitely a data science community builder. <laughs> so if you want that Thank label, you. I think everybody that knows you will know that that is absolutely accurate. <laughs> um, secondly, just to kind of summarize uh, some of the ways that academia uh, collaborates with the corporate side that you would suggest, um, not just necessarily truest or whatever, but just in general, some of the touch points. So one of the things you mentioned was um, helping to advise each other. Um, and different factors uh, related to data science. The second one is um, you talked about curriculum development, and that would come from corporate to academics to help them understand what's going on outside of the classroom and how can they better equip students so that when they graduate, they're more camera ready. Um, you talked about providing class projects from companies to the academic institutions mm-hmm. or from academic institutions to the companies. And um, the also the unbiased nature of students. And, you know, it's funny. I was just talking to UCLA today. I have a speaking thing with them on Friday with their master's in quantitative economics, I think is what it's called. And um, I was explaining to them about the benefit of companies going to schools to do a project. It's not that they can't do the project themselves. Most of the time they have enough resources to do that project. But um, it also sets up a talent pipeline and the companies are always amazed to see how the new talent would attack it. How would the new talent approach this problem? What would the new talent think about these solutions? So I think that's um, another thing that you had brought up, looking at new methods. You also talked about um, the leadership buy-in and connecting them with this relationship. So can you, in just a second, can you unpack that a little bit more to make sure I understand what you mean by that? And then last thing I wrote down that you, that you mentioned was um, that academic institutions can help companies establish a more learning, continuous learning environment. And without the help of the academic institution, companies sort of struggle with, with coming up with that. But tell me more about this leadership buy-in. Mm-hmm. Like what, how does that um, support, enhance, or how might it sort of make it harder if you don't have it? Like what, tell me where it, t- it dies in. Right. 
So how I look at university partnership is no different from any other investment project we have internally, right? Mm-hmm. And we've all been there. You have a lot of people want to do this thing, right? It could be a data science project, it could be something else. And then you get everyone very jazzed up and you have a first year seed funding started. But then, you know, next year, maybe people are too busy, right? And then they're like, well, maybe we're not going to do this this year. And then the third year, there's never, you know, you know, actual headcounts or resources. So when I say about leadership buying, it's really to build out a long-term strategy, at least three years, right? What are we trying to... In the first year, you were getting to know the school, you were getting to know the students, you were new on campus in this particular fashion, right? Um, you know, it's it's all about relationship building, right? And then, you know, if first year you might have some lesson learned, I'm going to talk about some of the challenges later, right? And how do you make sure that people are aware of these projects that are going on? You know, we've seen many times in a professional world, you have something very, very cool that are being built by the technical team, but the leaders were never aware. Mm -hmm. So what we do is, like I said, we have these, uh, you build out a strategy, you socialize that with the senior stakeholders, whether these are, uh, you know, the team that are providing the data, maybe a hosting team that are that's going to sponsor this project, understand at the end of the day, what business value are they delivering? What mm-hmm. business problems are are they are they solving? Right again, like you said, it's not like the company doesn't you know can't do this these project their own way, right? right? So and also make sure that people are aware, you know. It's going to take some time to ramp up. You know, what does that second year look like? Maybe second year we can do two projects. Mm. And the third year, maybe we get into a better pipeline. We can learn more, right, or skill up. We can take to the next level, right? Make sure you have a, 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 um, you know, engagement plan. You know, when do you want to give the teams a lot of heads up? You know, we always come back to you for project proposals twice a year, right? And it does require some, uh, you know, participation from the teams who are sponsoring. Make sure the leaders, you know, if we're doing a, a presentation at the end of the day, right? Mm-hmm. Make sure the leaders are also aware you have the the, the, the key stakeholders who are, uh, you know, using the rubrics and giving them credit and to, to let them know, is this actually bringing business value, right? And where can they take this project further? This is such a good learning experience for both sides. So that's when I what I'm talking about leadership buy-in to have a long-term gotcha. strategy okay. to make sure people are aware. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, that way um, you're sort of assured that mm-hmm. there uh, there's some kind of visibility to the top and they know that there's partnership exists and they can therefore deliberately plan it out. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not just kind of happening that there's a, there's a real strategy engagement plan for it. I love it. Um, so this all sounds great, but there must be some challenges. There yes. must be some things that make it really hard. Tell me some of the top things that would make it really hard um, so that the people that are listening can they can know that in advance and try to get in front of it. Like what, what are some of the top challenges when forming academic industry partnerships for in data science? Right. I would say, um, you know, data science projects in nature can be very different from say you're working with MBA or you know a business school or a you know, just completely um, you know have a a, a, a a project proposal without sharing any sort of data, right? So where I've seen the most challenge, and this is not anybody's fault, right? Especially with larger corporations, is with legal and sourcing, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not going to be overnight that we get the contract in place. You know, the, the different universities and different, um, you know, companies might have uh, certain criteria they need to meet. You know, sometimes the the 
the school and the academic program depends on the size, the support, or whether it's a, a public or private school, because public schools are essentially government, you know, state entities, right? So um, being able to have ample time to work on the legal document, right, is, is crucial. And then when it comes to data sourcing, you really have to think through internally what data can be used to share with a external partner, even though you have all the NDA, you know, IP protection in place, right? Really uh, intellectual property, property, that's what I mean. You want to make sure that, you know, you think through different approaches, right? If you were to use real company data, right, you want the, the, the students who have the same experience as a teammate, a full-time teammate, something you might want to think about is issuing them company devices, mm-hmm. right? And then onboard them essentially as temp employees or interns to be able to work on, have limited access to work on this data. Mm-hmm. As part of that, you have to check with your legal and labor department about whether your company has requirement that you need to compensate the students that way, right? It depends on whether that's already worked in with the contract at the at the overall level. And then, you know, if you were using um, either kind of uh, anonymized data or synthesized, you know, genera- generated data uh, or even um, kind of in banking data that's over seven years old can be, you, you know, considered as non-live data, right? Oh. That's another approach that you can use. You still need to anonymize it, but it's usually okay to share with, um, you know, um, with the external party for uh, research purposes in a limited capacity. Mm-hmm. And last but not least is to consider what are some of the publicly available data that you have, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, uh, Kaggle, we all know, you know, if you were, were other data sources, there are plenty of uh, credit data, you know, mortgage data, housing price data that's publicly available. That could be a good approach to derive a th- certain uh, methodology, but, you know, the solution is not ready to use copy and paste Right. So you have to think about these different challenges when it comes to data. And then lastly, you know, and Beverly, we've worked with this on this, uh, you know, many times is that um, whether it's a, a semester long project, whether it's a hackathon that yep. has limited time, you really want to think about how do you phrase your um, your problem statement? Mm-hmm. Right. If you start with something too super general, you want to go boil the ocean. Right. The students uh, can get very lost very quickly because you know this is the one of the five ten courses they're taking. That's they have, right. Uh, you know, a lot of time they haven't had that in- industry exposure. They might be having a hard time connecting the dots, or they get too creative, right? So framing that and being able to pivot, right? If you write into a technical issue or write into a business priority issue, right? Maybe one of the the leads who was leading the the, the projects get to work on something else. Now you have to have the student work on some something, you know, have to pivot the the, pro, the problem statement. Mm-hmm. You have to have the flexibility around that. And at the end of the day, how do you, um, again, actually turn this, um, this insight into uh, action, right? Again, different companies may have different guidelines around this, right? And the school may have requirements around who owns the IP at the end of the day, mm-hmm. how much of that you can actually commercialize, right? Or it could be it just 
you know, purely as a, we're going to publish a paper, a white paper. We're going to co-write this, uh, um, you know, co-author this this uh, uh, kind of uh, research report that's for internal use only, right? You have to think through all these things up front. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, it's, uh, I, I wouldn't say I have everything figured out or, or a lot of the um, partners have everything figured out and uh, with the labor market and you know the the legal environment evolving just stay on top of things and build internal partnership with your legal and sourcing departments are very important yeah that's a that's a really nice punch list so for the listeners I hope that they're taking notes here <laughs> um, so a few big the biggest challenges include the legal side the NDAs especially if you're doing class-based projects that can be really tricky um, data sourcing, uh, consider things that are outside of proprietary that are um, potentially open source, um, but there are options of hiring a zero paid employee or treating them like an intern, um, uh, making them legally a payroll type of thing. There's also questions around intellectual property because you don't want the school to think, oh, we're going to get all this cool data and we can publish all these articles. And that's not the intent at all. Like, mm-hmm. who's going to own the models and who's going to own? you know, all the codes. So you really got to think about IP. Also, um, the the three things, these three kind of go together with as far as like scoping. You know, you got to get the, it's got to be 14 weeks, you know, you got to be able to answer it in 14 weeks. It's got to be the capabilities have to be just right for the students at that moment. And uh, the business problem itself, I mean, I've been in companies, there's, there's just one that's in Atlanta it was kind of funny, and they um, they had this big wrestling match over which leader got to pick the project to do for that semester. So you got to find the right business problem in the organization that can be answered in a certain amount of time with the capabilities of the student. And then um, the other thing, last thing you mentioned was um, it's got to be something that you hope can get operationalized. You know that it can be put into production or used. Some even if it's just insights, will somebody at least use it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So these are all really, really good considerations. Um, Our last question, this has been super useful and very helpful. But our last question for you, Angie, is um, what final piece of advice would you give somebody in the data science community trying to connect and leverage academic partnerships? If I can pick one word, it would be intentionality. Right. So you want you want to be intentional with how you are carrying out these partnership. Right. You want to build a portfolio. Uh, might not want to put all your eggs in one basket to work with only one university. Right. Or, or one school in particular. And, you know, and really think about what are you trying to share and give and getting out of this um, this experience. So that include think through the geographic, you know, um, uh, kind of location, right? Is that something your company, like for example, as we go through the merger, you know, Heritage Sound Trust, we're headquartered here in Atlanta. We want to make sure we expand, you know, with the the new company, uh, the the you know, True is headquartered in Charlotte. We need to continue to grow and combine and and again elevate some of the the North Carolina, you know, and and even other schools. So you know, we're all in digital kind of digital world today, right? How can we leverage some of the national, you know, um, footprint, right, to be able to to manage this portfolio of schools and students and look for diversity of thought. And a lot of time that 
Uh, actually, I just recently gave a, a talk on the intersection of uh, data science and ESG, uh, right? The environmental, social, and governance impact. And that's another way you really want to check with, you know, the, the CSR, the co- corporate social responsibility, the ESG team, even the diversity, equity, inclusion departments at your company to see if there is an actual lens, a social aspect, a community aspect you can work into as part of this partnership, right? Uh, maybe that means to um, mentor underprivileged or underrepresented students in, in data science. Maybe that means provide, you know, scholarship and fellowship to, uh, you know, certain students to pursue a, a career in data science. So that intentionality is very, very important. Nice. Um, Another thing is ensure there's financial backup. You know, this is it's not a free game, yeah, right? Yeah. And a lot of times that in order to get the, you know, the, the best talent or the, you know, the right type of talent that we're looking for, we want to make sure we have the right budget. Again, just like we run any other, you know, investment project, you want to have a at least a three-year kind of roadmap build out. You know, maybe you want to start small with the, two schools or one school first year and how do you expand out over time as you start generating more seeing more value out of these partnership right and then next one is to make sure you have good measures and metrics Mm -hmm. it is very hard if you you know uh after year one you just say okay we did all this project we you know talked about, uh, you know, we, we, we spent all this money, right? Uh, we, our teammates have put in this many hours uh, to mentor students, which is great. But you also want to think about, again, tying back to the three pillar TLC, talent, learning, and community, mm-hmm. right? Think about how many students have you actually hired, right? What are some of the IP that has uh, have generated from the, the these, um, you know, research project? How many hours uh, have your, your, your teammates participated in these learning, um, you know, experience in terms of upskilling, right? And maybe have a survey to get some tangible, you know, qualitative feedback. Yep. What do people say? And, you know, we've had people saying that, you know, this just such a, you know, especially when the interns are here, it's such a, you know, uh, just a fresh experience to get a break from our day to day, right? And people have that sense of fulfill- fulfillment and sense of a community as they participate in in these type of activities. Um, Love it. Love yeah, it. and lastly, really kind of going back to what we talk about the challenges is to prepare, 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 right? Mm. Whether it's data collection, whether it's uh, project problem, the problem statement uh, framing or scoping, right? Whether it's uh, offering that flexibility, whether it's coming up with metrics to measure, make sure you have, you've done some homework up front before you launch to make, to ensure a good experience from, you know, both the participating team and the students, as well as the leadership of the company as well. Fantastic. Fantastic advice. So intentionality, um, plan, make it a longer term investment and be deliberate about um, about your choice of schools. It's funny. I had an employer say, I don't know why we keep having our talent pipeline. Like everybody comes out the same. And I'm like, you're only recruiting from <laughs> one school. <laughs> what do you expect? Exactly. Um, in one program in one school. So intentionally plan, make it deliberate, have a plan, like a longer term plan, measure you know, focus on the metrics and just be ready, get ready. Cause when you jump into an academic partnership and you're not ready, you just kind of waste the first six months of it Yeah, or even longer. Bad optics too. Yeah, <laughs> it can be for sure. 
Uh, this has been really helpful. Thank you again so much to Anchi Zo for talking to us about connecting and leveraging academic partnerships within data science. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was such a pleasure.